Uh, I've been spending a lot of time knowing that September 1st is quickly approaching, and so over the past uh, few months, I've been really trying to be more reflective on, God, what is it uh, that you don't want me to forget, that you don't want us to forget uh, as we look backwards over the past 10 years? And one of the things that just kept coming to mind was just this idea that your memory, it matters to God. You might say, I don't have a great memory. I have a hard time remembering people's names. I have a hard time remembering details or maybe even stories. But your memory matters to God, meaning if we fail to, for, fail to remember what God has done in our lives as we look backwards, then we're going to struggle to trust God in the steps that He has for us in the stories that He's inviting us to walk with Him in. One of my favorite books in the Old Testament is uh, Isaiah, and one of the things that Isaiah says in Isaiah 46, remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God, I am God, and there is none like me. I love how he says, remember the things that God has done in the past. It's a very simple, but it's a very powerful verse that just reminds us, if we fail to remember the work of God and who God is and what God is like and all that God has done as we look backwards, well, then the steps that we take moving forward, we will struggle not only to trust God, but we might even fail to remember who God is and what God is like. So, where were you 10 years ago? Like, just think about your life over the past decade. Where were you 10 years ago? What did your life actually look like 10 years ago for me? I was 37 10 years ago. Uh, I had just celebrated recently my 12th anniversary. Uh, my kids 10 years ago were age 6, 5, and 3. But I think the most significant memory that I think of from the last 10 years is that I used to have hair. So somewhere along the lines over the last 10 years, I lost all my hair. 10 years ago, where were you? Think about some of the relationships that you maybe had 10 years ago, some of the friendships that you had, or maybe it was a dating relationship, and maybe it transitioned into an engagement and then into marriage. And maybe some of you 10 years ago, you were just starting that journey. Or maybe some were just starting the journey of becoming parents. So just think about where were you 10 years ago? Maybe think about your career. Think about maybe the places that you were studying. Now, as you kind of look backwards over the past 10 years as to where you were, the question I wanted to ask you was just this. As you consider the many moments that make up the past decade, past 10 years of your life, where do you see God in those moments? As you look backwards, where can you say or where did you see clearly God was doing something there? Clearly, like the hand of God, the fingerprints of God were so in that story. Now, I know for me, as I've been thinking about this, ever notice that when you're in the story, it's hard sometimes to see where God is at. When you're in the moment, it's often hard to see that this is where God is working or this is how God is working and see His fingerprints in the moment. It often takes a few steps removed from that season to actually see, oh, that's what God was doing during that, that time. That's what God was up to in my life or around my life in that time. See, all of us here, we've all had very differing decades. Uh, as we look back, all of our stories are going to be a little bit different. For some, you look back over the past 10 years and you'd say, gosh, a lot of sorrow, a lot of storms, a lot of trials, a lot of frustration." For some, you might say, gosh, over the past 10 years, it's actually been pretty good. 
We've got a lot of stories of just laughter and joy. And I think for most of us, if not all of us, we'd say, gosh, it's a combination of both. There were certainly seasons and elements of my story that were sorrowful and just hard, like storms. But then there was also seasons where I had great joy and great laughter. I think for some of us, you'd say, gosh, 10 years ago, I didn't even know who God was. I didn't even have a relationship with God 10 years ago. And some would say, I kind of had a relationship with God 10 years ago, but what I now know of God and have experienced in God just these past 10 years, my relationship with God is no longer what it used to be. It has just grown so significantly. Regardless of having differing decades, whether it was storms and and, and sorrow or joy and laughter or things in between, I think one of the things that all of us have in common today is that all of us here, no matter what stories you think of over the past 10 years, all of us here today, I would tell you this, God was faithful to you. God was faithful to you. He was faithful to all of us. Whether you realized it at the time or not, all of us here today can honestly say, God has been faithful to me. Now, you just might be wondering, Michael, how could you possibly say that all of us would be able to say that God has been faithful to me? Well, for one reason alone, and it's this, because you're here today. The fact that you are here today, this afternoon, is evidence that God is not done with you that God has more of who He is that He wants you to see, wants you to encounter, wants you to experience. The fact that you are here this afternoon is just one more evidence or reminder that God is not done with your story, that He has more for your story that He wants you to enter into and encounter Him in the midst of that story. God is not done with you, but He's also not done with us. The fact that us we are together today as a reminder that God has so much for all of us as a people, as a community, collectively to see and to experience. Now, I've been thinking a lot about the faithfulness of God in my life over the past 10 years. And one of the things that I've realized in reflecting over the past 10 years is how faithful I have been at forgetting His faithfulness. Meaning, I am really good at forgetting how He did work in my life and forgetting the times just His grace was abundant or His provision or His kindness or His patience or His care, compassion, His love. He has been so faithful, but yet so much of my last decade has been faithfully forgetting just how faithful God has been. One of the notes that I wrote just to myself in my journal uh, this past week was this, my memory of what God has done in days past shapes how I'll walk with God in days to come. My memory of God and my memory of just what God has done and who God has been, it will ultimately shape how I walk with God in the many days and and steps and stories that He has for me moving forward. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that person that walks around completely forgetting God, forgetting who God is, forgetting what God is like, and certainly forgetting all that God has done. And so, really, the one question I want us to wrestle with 
briefly this afternoon is this question of how might we quicken our memories to the work of God yesterday? How might we remember the work of God yesterday so that the steps we take tomorrow are taken with great confidence in who God is and all that God has done? How can we as individuals but also as a people just remember the work of God and the character of God so our next steps are fueled with a confidence of this is who our God is? Really three words, hopefully, to answer that question, and the three words are remember the stones. Remember the stones. There's a story in the Old Testament of a man named Joshua, and Joshua uh, was the assistant, the helper to a man named Moses. And Moses was recognized as one of the greatest leaders in the Old Testament. He was the one who led them from uh, bondage in Egypt into freedom. And when Moses died, God said to Joshua, you're next up. You're next up. You're going to lead two million plus people into the promised land. You're going to lead all of these people into a land that no one has ever been before. And just so you know, the land that you're going into is filled with men and women who don't want you guys there. So he gives Joshua this monumental task of leadership. But the very first thing that God tells Joshua that he's going to do is actually you need to lead the people through the Jordan River. Not around the Jordan River, but you're going to lead the people through the Jordan River. And so when God tells Joshua that's his first assignment, Joshua tells the people of Israel this in Joshua 3. Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Purify yourselves now because tomorrow God is going to do great wonders in your midst. Now, I don't know how many people woke up that very next morning with a anticipation and great curiosity of what are we going to see God do today? Like, what is going to happen today that Joshua said, hey, we need to purify ourselves so we don't miss the great wonders that God has for us? Well, what God did the next day was nothing short of wondrous. God literally took the people of Israel, two million plus people, through the Jordan River. When the people set foot in the Jordan River, the Jordan Rivers parted very much like the Red Sea had done before. And two million people walked through the Jordan River on dry ground. Now, what's fascinating to me about this story is once all of the people had actually passed through the river on dry ground, getting them uh, into, uh, headed towards the promised land, God told Joshua to do something very interesting, very curious. It says in Joshua chapter 4, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe, tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan, carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. Now, why would God tell Joshua to take 12 stones, take them with you and pile them up together? seems like maybe an odd thing to do. Why would God want Joshua to take 12 stones with them on their journey? Well, the answer to that question Joshua gives uh, to the people of Israel at the very end of Joshua chapter 4, it says this, Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, 
This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he had done at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. See, God didn't want Joshua or the people of God to forget the wondrous work of God in their story. But not only that, He wanted the people of God to have a story to tell to the future generations that would come after them. And the stones were simply just stones. They were meant to serve as a reminder to all of the people that these stones are meant to quicken our minds, quicken our memory to the wondrous work that God had done. So not only would they know who God is and what His wondrous work was, but the nations and all of the people that would hear the story would remember the wondrous work of God in the people of God's lives as they crossed through the Jordan River on dry ground. They were just stones. They were just simply stones, but the stones were meant to serve as a reminder to the people of who God is, what God is like, and the wondrous work He had done because He didn't want them to forget as they move forward into the new story He had for them in the promised land. I've been doing a lot of reflecting over this passage specifically and thinking through, Lord, what stones would you want us to remember as a people, as a community, as a church? I know not everyone can see in front of me on the stage, but I've got three stones if you were happened to be here on September 10th, um, I'm, I'm sorry, in September of 2010, when we celebrated our one-year anniversary as a church, we had taken 12 stones, and we wanted to do what this very passage had suggested, and we talked through 12 different stones. And after church was over, we had those stones on stage and made a nice pile about this high. And after service was over, we took those stones and we put them by the front door of the building we used to gather in. And we put them strategically by the front door so that when people would come in, they'd be like, what on earth, what kind of art do you have here? And there was a sign right next to the stones, and the sign articulated this passage so that people would know that God had done something significant in our first year of existence as a church. So... I went back to the building where the stones were, uh, and I have three of those stones because there's three stones this afternoon that I want not only for me not to forget and you to forget, but for us as a church that we would not forget three stones. The first stone I want us to remember as a church is the stone of His presence, the stone of His presence. Over the years, a comment that I hear almost weekly on Sundays is, Michael, There's just something different about this place. There's just something different about this place. And I wanted to tell you the difference about this place, this community called Genesis, is not a spatial difference. It has nothing to do with the warehouse that we gather in and how it's decorated on the inside. It has nothing to do with the space itself. That is not the difference of this community. The difference of this community has everything to do with the presence of God at work in people's lives. That is what is making the difference. 
Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples, he said this in John 14, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. What is the difference about this community is the home that God has made in people's lives. And that difference is because there is hundreds and hundreds of men and women who have made the decision to say, hey, I'm not going to make my life about my life. I'm not going to make my life about my plans, my dreams, my wants, my wishes. I'm going to make my life about anything and everything that God wants me to do. And because of that, God has made a home in that person's life. And so the difference here is the presence of God at work in people's lives. The second stone I want us to remember is the stone of His provision. Now, another comment that I almost get weekly uh, on Sundays is, Michael, why don't we take an offering? Seems just kind of weird. Like every church I've ever gone to before, they'll always pass the hat or pass the bucket or pass the plate, and there will always be someone telling you, hey, you need to give money, you need to do this, you need to support this. Why doesn't Genesis ever take tithes and offerings? And my answer, generally speaking, is always the same. It's not that we don't take tithes and offerings. We've just chosen not to make a really big deal about it because we didn't want our story to be a story of people are giving because we were trying to compel them to give or we were somehow spiritually manipulating people to give or maybe emotionally manipulating people to give. We wanted people to give because they were first and foremost compelled by God, that they had a moment where they said, gosh, everything that I have in my life was first and foremost given to me by, given to me by God, and now God is compelling me to grow in being generous. We wanted our story to be, yeah, things were provided for because we really worked hard at compelling people to give. We wanted the story to flip the script and say, if God compelled people to give, then God would do that and people would give. When Genesis started September 1st, 2009, we had the commitment of $2,000 a month for one year. Our sending church, Hope Christian Church, said, hey, for one year, that's what we're going to financially be able to support. Other than that, we had no idea where any finances were going to come in, but we prayed and said, Lord, you're in charge of that. Would you move? Would you compel those that you want to be part of giving to the mission and the vision and the ministry of Genesis? Then you've got to do that. And 10 years later, we can say with confidence that God has provided in abundance all of the needs that we've ever had as a church, not just to meet the needs of this church so we could keep the lights on, but He's met the needs of the church so that we now can be helped to support other churches to help support other uh, ministry and, and missional organizations. So we have a stone to remember that God has always provided. The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, while he was in prison, wrote this, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And I love how Paul simply says, the same God who has met all of my needs is the same God that will meet all of the needs that you have as people and as a church. So we will not forget the stone of His provision. And the last stone that we want to remember is the stone of His promise. What I mean by that is another comment that I've gotten a lot over the years is, Michael, it's 
It's weird. It's amazing. Don't know what to do with it, how much Genesis has grown over the past 10 years. And that's a true statement because 10 years ago, it was just 25 people, 25 people and six kids. That's what made up the Genesis community. And now on a given weekend, we'll see nearly 1,000 people, 800 adults and about 200 students and children. So there has been a lot of growth. And the obvious question that people ask next is, how has this grown like it has in 10 short years? And my answer is always the same, because Jesus is faithful to His promise. We have a stone of His promise that 2,000 years ago, Jesus said something to Peter and the other disciples, and He said this, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus made a promise to His disciples and every other follower after that that said, Hey, I will build the church. Genesis has built nothing. We will never build anything. Jesus is the one who is building his church, and not just here at Genesis. He is building his church in New England and beyond. This is just one small, little, tiny outpost that we get to be part of, but what we get to be part of is a stone of his promise that Jesus promised to build and he is building. So every person that has ever come through the doors of Genesis community to me is a reminder that God is sending people to us so that we can love them as God loves them. And then we can send them back out the same door they came in and simply say, now go love people in the same way. Go love your neighbor. Go love your coworker. Go love your family. Go love the people that you live around. God made the promise in Christ that he would build his church and he is building his church here and we don't want to forget the stone of that promise. Three stones, not meant to be exhausted by any means, but three stones, a stone of His presence, a stone of His provision, and a stone of His promise. I don't want to forget that, and I don't want any one of us as we turn the corner into the next decade to forget these stones. But the last question I have for you would simply be this. What stone do you want to put down today? I know you didn't come to church this afternoon with a stone in your pocket ready to lay it down, and that's okay. But I would ask, as you look back over the past 10 years, what would be the stone that you would put down so that you wouldn't forget God? You wouldn't forget God's work. You wouldn't forget God's activity. What stone would you want to put down before God today to simply declare, God, I will not forget I will remember what you have done. And God, what you have done in days past, I will remember. And the steps that I take moving forward into this next day, into this next week, month, year, and decade will be fueled with an incredible amount of faith and confidence that the God who has been at work in my life is the same God who will continue to be at work in my life. What is the stone that you would want to put down today?